Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Namaste, my friends. A blessed day of yoga to you. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Inspired by the infinite and motivated by his own inward journey, Rob Loud's desire is to be a catalyst for change in others on the path towards self-discovery. Like I said, I was a really reactive person most of my life. I got tossed around from event to event, and I always felt like life was happening to me bad stuff was happening to me. Well, hey, once I stopped doing bad stuff, started living by the yamas and the niyamas, or working in that direction of being honest, not hurting other people, making conscious choices, funny enough, bad stuff stopped happening to me. Tune into this episode to hear from Rob Loud and his courageous story as he overcomes defeating circumstances, allowing him to become the master of his mind, all on this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. Thanks for tuning in today to Yoga Revealed. Hope you're doing absolutely amazing wherever you are. It is a beautiful blue skied sunny day, lots of snow on the ground here in Boulder, Colorado, and I sit across from a beautiful friend of mine, someone I value so much in my life, as well as a teacher. Uh, his name is Rob Loud, and he's one of Boulder's favorite and Yoga Pod primary teacher here in Boulder and Denver. And, Rob, thank you so much for inviting me into your home and Thanks, Alec. revealing in. Happy to uh, be a part. So cool to see you doing this cool stuff in the world right now. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think it's almost really important for me to say how you usually have blue, purple, green hair, and I, I just like, I'm so fired up <laughs> each time I see you with that hair. And I think everyone else in our community is totally fired up by the passion that you bring into the room. When I first met you at a studio in North Boulder a few years ago, I was inspired by your back because he's got this huge tattoo on his back. And I've watched this tattoo slowly, you know, get a little color more mm-hmm. so over yeah. the, the years. And, um, you know, more I started to take his classes and I'm constantly inspired by Rob. He is someone who I find to be really relatable so, you know, we hope this interview is uh, uh, reveals gems to you. So thank you, Rob. Thanks, Alec. Thank you, Rob. You know, we like to start out with just a little synopsis of 
your yoga journey and where it started out pre-yoga and you know what happened to started to like you know dabble in yeah um well i've been i've been practicing for about nine years now and and sort of i don't know i think like uh common denominator for everybody showing up to yoga however they show up whenever they show up I think anybody that's in a class on some level the the common denominator is suffering on on some level um if we were if everything was just right in our lives I don't think any of us would be showing up onto our mats um and I grew up in Boulder I I think you know like everybody else we all have our stories I I grew up in in a household that was had a lot of drug and alcohol use there was some domestic violence it was just sort of like not that i didn't feel loved but just from a very young age i i felt like i was on some level living with a lot of fear and um i i have struggled my entire life or most of my life adult life i should say or young adult life with um, issues with addiction with drugs and alcohol and uh, i basically sort of hit the gates running as far as partying or just finding ways to check out if you will um, when i was like 12 or 13 years old and so it started uh, I, I specifically remember you know first time i kind of checked out on something alcohol I was like woke up the next morning didn't know what the hell had happened and bumped and bruised and all of this but I do remember waking up going wow that was awesome I want more of that and so that was sort of like my introduction it wasn't just like I hit the gates running and and it just became you know a habit of mine for a really long time and I I, I like to say that the beginning of my yogic journey, if you will, and it was well before I started doing asana or anything like that, was an instance I had in Boulder on the hill. So it's sort of the college area around CU. And it was June 27th, 1998. And I was um, at a party and with some people that I didn't really know that much. And long story short, I was, I was intoxicated and making my way home. And I got assaulted in an alley up there so I basically got beat up really really bad and um, I went to the hospital I had head injuries facial broken bones it was a it was a big deal and the kid that did this it was a life changer for him too I hope in a good way because he did go to jail for quite some time it was this long drawn out thing but really it was that moment in my life where um, I knew that I had to do something differently, like life was just not working for me the way that I was, had been doing it my entire life. And, um, and so that whole, as horrible as it was, um, recovering from that, and there was just a lot of, you know, stuff that came along with getting assaulted, not just the physical injuries, but just like trying to wrap your head around somebody actually trying to kill you. Um, which essentially was was the case in this case um, that you know it, it was it was just apparent that I needed to do something different and it took something like that as horrible as it was I consider it one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life because I survived and um, coming out the other end I I knew that I had to make a, a, a different decisions in my life and so I you know I 
got sober and I did this whole thing for a really long time where I was just abstinent from everything. And, and in that process, there's a little bit of, um, I started to get more physically healthy, but I still had lots of mental issues going on. And, and I feel on some level, there's some PTSD or something in there that I, you know, because I used to be, um, have like panic attacks and all of these other things. So even though I was getting healthier in my body, my mind was still having a rough go at it, if you will. And so um, I started training jujitsu for a long time. So I, I, I found a way in which to keep me kind of out of trouble, if you will. And I trained really diligently. And it was a great community. The community with these people was very much like the yoga community in that they're Everybody there, healthy or working on themselves in some way, shape, or form, making good decisions and in things such as this, and it was really a, a, a lifesaver for me. And I did that for a while. And um, towards the end of that seven-year period or so, I started dabbling in yoga, and um, I was taking it at a gym, and and I just started to notice a big difference in. Um, in my mental state of affairs from just even just a class here and a class there with yoga that I was not getting through the other kind of training and stuff that I was doing. I was like, sort of felt a little more at peace. So the seed was sort of planted there, although I didn't know I wanted to teach. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know that I was going to make yoga my life. Um, and so the second most, I guess, sort of big event that happened that that made me decide to, you know, that got me into the path of yoga. So I, I was running along pretty good for a while there. And I went to Thailand for six months to train. I was kickboxing as well. And um, and I got on the plane and, and on the plane on my way back to, or way to Thailand, I, I was like, you know what? I'm a different person seven years later. I'm going to have a beer, you know? And so my very first beer after about seven years was on this plane on my way to Thailand and one turned into two turned in it was a 36 hour journey I was like um, I got to Thailand and I was like holy crap what am I doing I was a little bit off and 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 I, I want to say on some level a little bit of a, a little bit of a mess not how I wanted to show up into Thailand my first day for six months but got myself back into check I trained everything was really pretty good while I was there you know but I started to see sort of old patterns of fear and um, all of these other things just starting to resurface. Um, came back to Boulder uh, about, it was about a six month trip and I came back, I got my job back. I was working at a, at a hotel in Boulder and, um, and I just started to fall back into my old pattern. So it was like, it, you know, the mind's a tricky thing. I'm really good at justifying what I'm doing and like, oh yeah, this is normal. Showing up to work drunk, that's that's normal, you know, like all of these things. And so I really started to, to suffer again on a big way. And I was kind of hiding it from everybody because everybody that knew me, um, that had grown to know me over the last seven years, knew me as a particular way, like straight edge, really... Um, clean and sober and all of these things. So I just was sort of hiding this and doing this. And, and um, I was on a lot of medication as well. I was on antidepressants, anti-anxiety. I, like I said, I used to get panic attacks and all of these things. And, and uh, one weekend I decided to take myself off of these medications that I was on, which 
was not a good idea. I guess you're supposed to consult your doctor before you take <laughs> yourself off of medication. But I was just in a weird place and I, I kind of went down this downward spiral and it was a you know it was a long time coming but there was a weekend in particular where I was at my house by myself suffering immensely like it was the worst worst sort of weekend I I could imagine where I just hold myself up could have very well drank myself to death I was like having paranoid ideas I was just I was kind of I was going off the deep end a little bit and at the end of this little two or three days stint, um, I decided I needed to go back and get uh, my medication. So I, I tried to get in my car and drive to King Supers to get my medication filled. And I was just in no shape to be doing this. And I fell asleep at the wheel. Or I, I'll, I'll say it more directly. I passed out at the wheel nine in the morning and went through an intersection and got into a car accident and went to jail, lost my job, lost all of these things. And that was sort of what my second wake up call. And at this point in my life, I had started practicing just a little before this at the yoga pod where I'm a teacher now and I've been teaching for now six years there. Um, and the owners of the yoga pod there knew my sort of struggles because I opened up to them while I was <clears throat> beginning to become part of the community and they were really supportive of me. But basically once this accident happened, I went to jail. I, I, it was, it was another game changer for me. And so I got out and had to move out of my house. Like I said, I lost my job and had to end up moving in with my mom and, and, uh, she lives pretty close, and thank God that she's here because otherwise I would have been living under a bridge, um, pretty much. I had like sort of, you know, I had nowhere else to go, no money, no anything like that. And so um, moved back in with my mom. I was on house arrest looking for work, and I couldn't find work for about eight or nine months. So I was just, I felt pretty bottom of the barrel. I was like living at my mom's, 35 years old, just no prospects, nothing really going for me. But during this time, I, I started going to yoga regularly. So I, I started going pretty much after this had happened every day. I was like, I'm going to go and I'm just going to practice because it was really one of the only things that made me feel halfway human and like just good about myself. And so I, I started working as a karma yogi, as they call it there. I worked behind the desk. I was washing mats. And I was taking maybe, you know, sometimes one, two, or even three classes in a day. I had nowhere really else to go. So I was like, this is... And everybody was happy and relatively healthy, and they accepted me. And so um, I spent, you know, a good eight months practicing every day. And just throughout this process, starting to despite my external circumstances, living at my mom's, not having really any prospects, feeling, you know, had been feeling really unsuccessful and unhealthy and all of these things, as I was practicing, I felt like better than I had felt in my entire life. Even when I had a job that was paying me well, even when I had a girlfriend and we, you know, all of these things, I, but I was like, I had nothing going for me, but I felt absolutely fantastic. Like I had never felt before. And I think, you know, most people who start doing yoga regularly, the first, you know, you have this honeymoon period where everything is just freaking awesome, you know? And so I was experiencing that. And, um, and at the yoga pod, there's lots of really great teachers. And 
Um, they all, you know, supported me in what I was doing. And, and I now live with Matt Kapanis, who's one of my, I would have to say, one of my biggest inspirations as to why I became a teacher, because I would take his classes and felt like he was talking to me. He always had really great things to say. And it was just what I w wanted and needed to hear as far as to fill my soul spiritually. And so um, I heard him over talking. We weren't even friends. He was just, I was just sort of a groupie of his or something. And he was like talking about leading a teacher training. And so I just like put it out to the universe. The light bulb went off and I was like, man, Rob, if you could like make this your job um, in some way, shape or form, it's going to be win-win not only for you, but for the entire planet, you know, because um, and so the light bulb went off and I kind of put it out to the universe. I was like, man, I really want to do this. And so I didn't even really ask my mom. She could just see how psyched up I was on yoga. And I was talking about potentially doing a yoga teacher training and she lent me the money pretty much and said, you know, I went to six years of college and didn't do anything with my degree. And she said, here's 2000 bucks. If make sure you do something with this, please. Like I can tell you really like what you're doing, make it happen. And so I did pretty much. I did my first teacher training with Matt and, uh, and another person at core power in, in Boulder. And, um, with the full intention of just going back to my home studio of the yoga pod who had kind of embraced me in from the get-go and trying to teach there. And so I did my first teacher training and then, um, and sort of the rest is history. I mean, there's a lot since then, but that was sort of, that was a long sort of introduction, but that is the, the gist of it. It is, it was a lot of suffering in my life, bad decisions made through not seeing clearly because I was always on some level checking out from life, but it was through my suffering and through some seemingly bad instances in my life, strokes of bad luck that really turned out to be my greatest gifts, I feel like, because had that event not happened on the hill or had my car accident mm. not happened, and they were traumatizing towards me, but had those not happened, I would be probably doing something that isn't filling my soul. Who knows what I would be doing, but I probably wouldn't be doing this. And so I have to just chalk all of it up to, you know, suffering and really finding some sense of peace through asana and um, through the community that I met at, at the mm. yoga pod. And, and really, I still teach there. And, 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 and every day is to me is like a gift, you know, like I don't feel like I work. I, I, I'm doing what I love to do. And I truly feel like I have an effect on other people in the same way. People that might be going through the same thing I was going through six years ago. I, I whenever I step in front of a class, I know that there's at least a handful of people sitting in front of me that are having a rough go at it on that particular day for whatever reason. And so I, I know that I have the opportunity to um, bring that same sort of peace that I found in those first days of practicing yoga to somebody that, um, you know, you can change a life. You never know how you can change a life by just showing up mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there in front of you know, unknown people. So. Being so vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's it. That's kind of it. I mean, it's a lot of information, but, um, but yeah, yoga's really like for all of us changed my life in such a dramatic and positive fashion that I knew that I needed to make this part of my lifelong journey. And what a yeah. what an easy 
or what a better way to make it part of your journey than to make it your work. You yeah, know? yeah. And I think that even more so will navigate and dissect the the suffering that you went through and just how yoga was like rewiring that but i want to comment on the the your experience and your story that you shared with like the one of the things that came up for me i was like wow the purity of a mother's love to give you that opportunity i think that's really beautiful yeah, and she's given me lots and lots of second chances. In fact, I think I was nearing the end of my <laughs> rope with even my mother um, as far as, because like I said, I had a, like we all have had interesting upbringings, but I think my one saving grace throughout my entire mm -hmm. life is that I always felt my mom's love, whether, you know, like regardless of what was going on and how chaotic our home life might have seemed and dysfunctional, and even when she couldn't really hold it together, I felt like that genuine love. And so, and I think she's pretty stoked or happy for me now. She, and in fact, I think she's pretty blown away that I actually took the ball and ran with it yeah. and am doing what I'm doing now, uh, you know. So, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So what was it about yoga that you found solace in? <clears throat> well... You know, I think, I think one of the huge game changers for me with yoga and like one of my early on teachers was this kind of realization or being taught or told or understanding, and it comes through a mindfulness practice, but that it's okay to not feel okay. It's okay to feel like crap, and that's not something that you need to check out and run away from and hide from and that's what I had been doing my entire life but through yoga and like even just being uncomfortable in the poses when you're not flexible and you're not strong you're not coordinated and you know you know how it is when you're first doing something and and it's just it's kind of painful but like being present with that pain being present with the re being in relationship with discomfort and that it is okay and not something to be avoided and for me that was uh, a foreign concept. Like I was like, wow, it is okay to feel like shit. And, and that's, and so that, that in and of itself, and really one of the big benefits very physically was my ability to start to breathe. Like I have been to the hospital so many times having panic attacks, thinking I was dying. And, and, and this was another aha moment in a yoga class where I'd go to the hospital and they would, well, A, they first thought I was on drugs or something, and I was completely, you know, for a lot of the time sober, just having a rough go at it. But the first thing they would say to me is, breathe, breathe, breathe. And I would I would look at them and say, what the heck are you talking about? If I wasn't breathing, I would be dead. Like, you know, and I just didn't get it, but I was breathing very shallowly. And that's something that I think our entire society is suffering from is this kind of not breathing deeply we have this kind of very reserved and shallow breath because we're on some level all of us are on fight or flight mode you know for the for the most part and so it was this ability to learn how to breathe in fact when i first started practicing asana one of my goals was like i want to keep my breath count that with the the teacher because i couldn't do that at first they'd be like breathe in and i was like 10 breaths between their one breath you know and so but through that practice of learning how to breathe and recognizing that i didn't have to be in a yoga class 
to use the tool of my breath. So I made it my mission to wherever I was standing on the earth to try to breathe as deeply as I could. And it changed my entire life. In fact, that's the reason I was able to get off of all of the medications that I was on for anxiety and panic and depression was through being able to breathe and allowing myself to feel discomfort. And I think that's kind of high up on the list of what we do when we practice yoga, you know? Mm. Um, that's what we sort of train ourselves to do yeah. on some level. Yeah, so it was a... I don't know if I got off on a tangent no, there, but that was, that was like, for me, the, the kind of big big things right out of the gates was yeah. that, okay, it's okay to not feel good and still show up, and B, breathe. And those two things, I think, like will change anybody's life. You know, you know I find that you, you are in a huge example of how the yoga has rewired the antics of the mind and the psyche. And like, God, that is such a hard thing to practice, not only when you're in the room, but then like when life is actually like right in front of you and to really be like, oh, okay, I see this old way of being. How can I be different? You know, what was it through your transition into yoga that allowed you to step away from those self-destructive um, patterns mm -hmm. and like really making the con conscious choice. And I like say conscious is bold lettering. Yeah. Choice. Yeah. Like what, what was that? Like how did you, how do you, for our listeners, like for those people who find suffering and challenging in certain um, habits mm -hmm. and they, and we know like I, I have bad habits. I know yeah. I do. And like in the moment when I'm doing them, cause like, were pleasured by the attachment to a bad habit, you know, how do we step out of that? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's diligent and focused practice, you know, um, and awareness. I think like mm. most of my life, I was not aware of what I was doing, where I was at, what was going on. I, I truly feel I was one of the most reactive individuals out there where something would happen and I would do this, you know, or mm -hmm. I would just be doing things mindlessly. Um, so, you know, well, A, you just got to commit yourself and abhyasa. It's like, mm -hmm. it's making a change in your life or, or doing something diligently and focused so that um, it becomes just more normal in your, you know, anything you start new is going to be you know, challenging on some levels. But I think like, as far as bad habits go, you have to become aware of what you're doing. And that's where the Svadhyaya and, and uh, you know, just awareness, becoming aware of our own inner light and what it is we're doing, what we're buying into in our life. Because like I said, our, our mind's tricky things, or I'll speak for myself. I can justify anything that I do really easily and say, well, it's really bad for me and everybody else, but I can do it because of this or because of this or or even just not aware at all. And so, you know, I don't know if this is quite the answer you're looking for, but I think, you know, you have to be, you have to make it a practice, a, a, a lifelong practice. You got to dedicate yourself mm -hmm. to something and really look at yourself objectively, be honest with where you're at. And, and until you can become honest with where you're at, that's nothing's going to change in your life. There's, you know, so it has to come from a first step of being willing to commit yourself and, um, 
and then be willing to look at yourself because we have lots of, you know, other mirrors, friends, people can tell us what we're doing, but yoga is our opportunity to really look deeply at our thought processes on a deep level when, you know, we're less distracted from the the day-to-days of our life and the stories, we turn our gaze inward. And when we get lucky on those days, we get these little aha moments or these little like gems, if you will, of, oh, wow, I not only do that right here in Warrior Two, but I'm doing that everywhere else in my life. And then once that light bulb goes off, then you can start to make something else happen in your life. You know, something mm. bigger and better, always making room for that. Mm. Yeah. Nice. You know, I, uh, I was in a class a few weeks ago, I think a few months ago, and I heard the teacher say, and... I, I love challenging teachers that really provoke thought. And I, I think that sometimes your Dharma talks in the beginning of class, you provoke thought. And I think that's good because you're getting people to step out of the, the box of this is how things have to be. Right. Like, let's see it from a different perspective. What, what do you comment on this? The teacher was saying, you know, just because we're practicing asana and you're practicing yoga does not necessarily mean that we are in a mindfulness practice. How would you say, or how would you offer to someone who is just starting out in yoga to integrate mindfulness into their practice? I know we're kind mm-hmm. of harpooning uh, 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 the word awareness and observation, yeah. but like more so, how would you, how how would we start out with a mindfulness practice? Well, I mean, the breath is the key. Breath mm. is the key to mindfulness, and I really think for newer s- students, it's really. It's something that's not going to happen overnight. You know what I mean? Like you have to plant the seeds for people that are newer to yoga. Make it make them feel welcome like I did when I first started coming. I feel like one of the reasons I kept coming back was not only just the yoga and everything that I was doing, but the people that I was interacting with and how they were treating me, you know. Mm. But um, so you got to make your you got to make it welcoming, make people feel welcome. But it's. It's almost, I mean, the breath, I, my, my number one priority in all of my asana classes is the breath above everything else. And I think that's true for a lot of people, but it, I sound like I'm a broken r- recorder because I say breath so much, but like, that's what it took for me to start to recognize that that's what was bringing me back to the here and to the now was my breath. It wasn't just keeping me alive. It wasn't something that, you know, but the the importance of the breath. And so, you know, for me, it's just making sure that students and new students in particular, I mean, at the beginning of my level one classes, I always say first three priorities in our class today above everything else. Number one on your list, breathe deeply and watch your breath. Pay attention to your breath. Number two, have a sense of humor. Be lighthearted in your practice. Try not to take this too seriously. There's not a right and wrong. And three, the asanas themselves. And that's a, a close third, but less important that you get into the pose. Mm. It's not a, much, as important as what you're taking away and learning about yourself in this moment that we all sit in. And so I don't think mindfulness is something that, or present moment awareness mm is something that comes naturally to anybody because we're trained on a lot of levels, especially in the 21st century, to distract ourselves from everything. And and that's why people need yoga so much yeah. right now. But for me, it's like just emphasizing the breath. And it doesn't, 
with repetitions, things just become a little more easily and easier and easier. And so newer students start to kind of feel that the same thing that we all feel when we start taking yoga. Wow, I feel a little more relaxed. Why is that? It's has some to do with the stretching and everything else that you're doing. But for me, it's about staying present with your breath and breathing deeply. And so I think, you know, that's the best way to for newer students yeah. is to stress the importance of the breath, make it lighthearted and have a little bit of fun, you know, yeah. like have a little bit of fun. And fun doesn't necessarily mean just huge poses or goofy or whatever. It's more just like having that sort of inquisitive childlike mm. sense of curiosity when you practice. So just going, oh, wow, this just came across my mind. That isn't that interesting. Instead of just taking it as matter of fact, just kind of go, wow, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, that's the sort of playfulness I like to encourage in my students is to just keep a beginner's mind, you know, a childlike sense of awe about all of this. Because when you boil it down, it is pretty awe-inspiring even when you're having a rough go at it yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. that's that's like even the bad days can be good days and, and we take the most away from our practice in our life on those days where we can't stand on one leg and we do feel humbled you know mm -hmm. um, so beautiful thanks man totally so Rob you, you teach full-time mm -hmm. and with that what are some challenges that you face and how do you carry for, forward with those challenges in carrying out your duty? Yeah. Well, I mean, at first, the challenge was, um, yeah, well, there's lots of challenges. The first challenge when I knew I wanted to be a full-time yoga teacher was simply just feeding myself because, you know what I mean? Because it's it's not a lucrative business to be in as far as American standards. Uh, and so for me, first off, the, the major challenge was just getting through and paying rent and doing this. But one of the great things about yoga is it does ask us to simplify our lives on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I have a pretty simple life already. I don't own a home. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I have, um, pretty free as, as far as being a free person goes, you know, I don't have a lot of attachments. So it was a little easier for me, I think, than some teachers who have more things, um, going like having to feed their kids and stuff like that. Like I just had to feed myself and I can eat pretty light, you know, if I have to. So that was the first challenge, but like with anything you start to practice and if you're passionate about something and you you are and you do it a lot, you just get better at it and you become more and more valuable and you find ways to make ends meet a little bit easier. For me, now the struggle is really well, it's not a struggle. It's just making sure that I stay inspired and stay diligent on my studies, you know, mm -hmm. like um always looking to be inspired and how I can be inspiring to other people. So reading and having time to do all of these other things which come with being a yoga teacher. I have a relatively, I have like gaps in my days as a full-time yoga teacher from somebody that works a nine to five, they would think, oh, Rob's got it super easy. He teaches a class at nine and then six, you know, but that time in between nine and six, I am working on being inspired and practicing myself and um, doing all of these things that I need to do to stay inspired, to inspire other people. But also, 
taking care of myself. Full teaching full time is a lot of physical, mental, and emotional energy to have to expend. And I'm pretty good at not refueling myself. So my challenge is making sure to take care of myself because I can go long periods of time without really going, oh, I haven't drank water today yet and I've taught two classes. You know what I mean? So that's that's my challenge. But that just is my personality type, you know. Um, but those are, you know, I mean, those are pretty good challenges to have. Why I teach yoga is so that I have to do these things, you know. Like this is part of my job description is inspiring myself, taking care of myself and offering that out to other people in some way, shape or form, whether it be through words or just how they feel Mm. at the end of class or Mm. living by example, letting other people go, hey, you know, this guy was 36 years old, had nothing going for him. And, you know, for where I'm at now, it's pretty darn, it's it's a big change. And so it's never too late to do something different in your life and Mm. be happy, you know, like for me, I, I kind of sold myself that I was just going to have jobs to have jobs to pay the bills to, you know, like another foreign concept to me, I could actually do something that I love to do and make money doing it. And so, you know, um, that's like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a win-win, you know, everything that I do, I feel like I'm pretty blessed in, in where I'm at right now and not that it doesn't take a lot of hard work but um, it's the right work you know for me yeah nice so the universe conspired I definitely feel there was some the universe conspired towards me in fact I was talking the other day with a friend of mine just about how I used to do a lot of prayer and meditation I sort of learned from this school in Denver but really um, prayer not in the sense of praying to a particular God, but connecting with yourself and kind of putting intentions out there. And I I did this a lot when I knew that I wanted to become a yoga teacher. In fact, my meditation practice every morning, I would connect with Mm. myself and with whatever else that I could. And I would very affirmatively say, I am a great yoga teacher. I inspire people with my words. Um, you know, I just had these sort of mantras that I wanted to see unfold. And I think like in doing so um, was definitely a boost in getting me to where I am now, because there was a lot of events that happened um, in my in this short little journey as a yoga teacher that seemed very just being at the right place at the right time. But I don't feel like it was necessarily like that at all. It was like things were being placed in front of me and it was up to me to kind of see the opportunity that was there and understand that I was part of creating that opportunity and then grab it. And so, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I feel really lucky, but I feel like, you know, luck is just intention infused with, um, you know, grasping opportunities, Mm. you know, more so. Yeah. That's funny. I was going to ask this next question. What have been some of the biggest catalysts to you being recognized in the Boulder community as As, Rob Loud, yoga teacher? You know, I, 
I think you hit the nail on the head to start. My hair color helped. And my big <laughs> tattoo helped. Um, the fact that I do sort of stick out on some level. Uh, when I first started practicing at the yoga pod, in fact, I had a... This go, going back to when I was in trouble, but I had a, a GPS government issued kind of in-house arrest ankle monitor on and, and fully tatted up back and people and I was a lot heavier. I was people looked at me like, who the heck is this guy? And whoa, you know, like, but it's great because these same people seven, eight years ago that I began practicing are still my students and they remember those days and they still talk to me you know, this day, like, I can't believe, you know, where you're at right now. Yeah, where you're at and what you're doing. But so hair color, I mean, I I like to stick out. I'm a Leo. I'm a Cancer Leo cusper, cusper, but I like to I like to stick out. I also like I'm introverted at the same time. But I think, you know, one of my greatest qualities or I've been told one of my greatest qualities is my consistency. I show up all the time regardless of how I feel because I've been taught it's okay to not be okay and still show up. So I'm very consistent. I show up all the time for my classes. I rarely sub my classes out. Um, And I am very honest and open about what I'm going through in my life. And, And I think like um, my authentic, I've been told I'm very authentic and I feel like that is important for people to see that, you know, even yoga teachers have a rough go at it. I, I feel like when I take classes and I, you know, I, when I take classes from teachers and all I ever hear is how great everything is and love and light and this and that, I don't feel like, I feel like well, A, is that real? Like, are you, and if that, if so, I want some of what you're having. Yeah. But I think like, you know, it's just being authentically me. I don't try to be somebody that I'm not. I don't try to use, although when I first started teaching, I felt like compelled to try to be a little more not me. Um, so it came, it came down to me going, okay, Rob, you have something valuable to offer, but just be yourself. And it doesn't mean I don't subscribe to, you know, I know Sanskrit, I know, but I try to keep it as real as possible. And mm. I think there's a lot of people out there that really appreciate that realness, you know? Yeah, I, um, I, I think that you're one of the, you know, chosen people who take on the strength and courage. It's like when someone says, what's up? It's not like good. You know, you're yeah. real and you're yeah, so yeah. raw. Every time I ask you, how are you? It's like, this is this is how I am. Yeah. No, yeah. And, and that too, like connecting with my students, not only just in class, but like you said, it's that connection where when somebody does walk in, I, you know, it's nice to have to know that somebody's actually asking about how you're doing, you know? And so it's not just the class and the practice, but it's really the connection with the community and everybody in it and going, hey, are you okay? And if you're not, like finding support, you know, I think that's one of the beautiful things I've found in my own life. Being a yoga teacher and a yoga practitioner is like, I've had a few bad things happen and and the community steps up. People are genuine, genuinely concerned with your well-being. And so, yeah, I mean, that's one of one of the things that keep me coming yeah. back is the cooler, the community and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks. Nice. So how is it that you measure success in your life? Hmm. Well, um, for me, success is that I'm 
doing what I love to do. I think that that's number one. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I've lived with very little. I I mean, I feel like, you know, belongings, money, toys, these things, they come and they go. And this sounds very cliche and very yoga, but it's so true. I think success is um, being able to do what you love to do freely and openly, you know. Mm -hmm. And and, um, so for me, that's what success is, is about. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty, awesome. pretty plain and simple. Succinct and... Yeah. Yes. And, and being able to lift other people up, you know? I mean, that's like for, you know, the joy of getting an email from somebody that says, man, whether you know this or not, but what you said in class really had an effect on me and thank you. That's like, that's success for me. I, I, I don't think I could trade any amount of money for being able to do what I love to do and being able to help people in the way that I help people, you know, I mean, you can't put a price tag on that. It's it's, it's priceless, you know, um, and I, I think that's what life is about, you know, is doing what you love and helping other people. Hmm. That's actually my wish for everybody is that you do what you love to do. And if you're not doing what you love to do in your life, you have two options. Stop doing what you're doing, make a change, or at least become aware of that and put the intention out there that you want change to happen because it has to start with your intention. Um, so, you know, my that, that you're doing, so you have the two options, change what you're doing or change your attitude about what you're doing and find some gratitude for being in the situation that you're that you're in even if it doesn't if if it's not like extravagant or it seems boring or whatever it is you know like make a change or change your viewpoint and find cultivate gratitude for having the opportunity to do what you're doing you know yeah. but a lot of yoga in any really spiritual practice is about perceiving the world differently it's like just switching how you view the world and and in just a little switch can go a long way in in where you're at and what you're doing you know mm-hmm. perception is everything mm. you know in light of perception i've heard you talk about it in class before uh cosmic consciousness mm-hmm. you know without you know it's so easy to like get all up here and so woo woo about it but you're such a grounded individual and your te- your classes and that words that you offer are so rooted like here, present, mm-hmm. cosmic consciousness, feel this connectedness. Can you speak to that? Well, I, I mean, there's lots of, yeah, to me, I mean, on some level, um, there's there's just intelligence out there. And we're, 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 we sort of, we get these fleeting glimpses of love and inspiration and and it's none of it is none of it is our own it's all just sort of out there in the ethers and Mm. the universe to me on some level is is intelligent in 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 its own way and and um and yeah so i feel like for me it's just tapping into that sense of oneness and we're all unique individuals individuals is sort of you know means undivided i think and so it's these little outcroppings are ourselves are sort of just these little like like the the wave in the ocean analogy we're we're sort of these unique little ripples in in the cosmos and and it's not forgetting that it's really easy to 
get into your head about your problems and how real everything is right in front of your face, but there's a lot more at play out there that we don't tap into. And so for me, that's what yoga, meditation, getting in, that's sort of what we're doing on some level is when we practice and we infuse our practice and our practice is synonymous with our life or a metaphor for our life, when we infuse our life with feeling, so using all of our senses and meaning and sensuality, but observe ourselves in the process of the practice or in our process of our life, we get these fleeting moments of our own inner light, that connectedness, the perusa, that kind of mm. per permeates all sentient beings. And so that's what the practice is about. And even if it's just fleeting, it's those reminders when we're in the zone meditating or moving through asana where we're like, whoa, we are connected. And that's what kind of reaffirms it. We'll forget once we walk out of the studio and somebody cuts us off in traffic and we give him the bird or whatever, but like it's how the practice is how quickly can we bring ourselves back. So we're always going to have stuff that's throwing us off. How quickly can we recenter and connect with life? You know, mm. we get these fleeting glimpses of we're not separate from life. We're part of it. And life is our, our greatest teacher, you know, mm. life itself. I'm a teacher. I stand in front of people, but it's the experience that people are having in the class and that connection. That's the teacher itself is life. And so, um, and like I said, fleeting moments at first every once in a while, but with diligent focus practice, it starts to become more normal and we start to see it when that jerk cuts us off in traffic and we're like, eh, you know, like it's okay. You know, maybe that person has to get to the hospital really, you know, or whatever it is. It's like, how quickly can we, bring ourselves back. Like I said, I was a really reactive person most of my life. I got tossed around from event to event and I always felt like life was happening to me. Bad stuff was happening to me. Well, hey, once I stopped doing bad stuff, started living by the yamas and the niyamas or working in that direction of being honest, not hurting other people, making conscious choices, funny enough, bad stuff started stopped happening to me. I mean, there is karma and stuff at mm. play. I think like when we do something, something happens back. But yeah, so it's like that's that's the practice, you know. It's like mm. just doing the best you can and um, doing the best you can to be good to yourself and to be good to other people, mm. you know. And in return, mm. it, it definitely come, comes back, Yeah, you know. You know, you've given so many uh, little gems and nuggets of wisdom, and I'm so grateful. I hope that our listeners are so grateful. Yeah, thank um, you. I hope it didn't run off onto too many. I, I have a, and people, my students will tell you this, I'll like be theming a class on something, and next thing you know, I'm talking about like, who knows what. So I, I have a hard, I have to reel my class themes in because I really easily get off point. So hopefully that made sense to you all. You know, a, a few more questions. Yeah. What would be some advice that you would give to like a first year yoga teacher who's like in the first maybe year or two mm -hmm. of their uh, teaching practice? Mm, What's yeah. some advice you'd give them? Well, I mean, I, I help lead teacher trainings here and there and I give like, um, and I love doing that. I love watching people work on themselves and potentially teaching as well. Um, but 
Number one, authenticity. I, I say be yourself. Doesn't matter. You don't have to be, you don't have to know Sanskrit. You don't have to, you know, you don't even have to, you just need to be yourself. And people would much rather see a teacher that is not, or I'll, I'll speak for myself. I always would, I would rather see a, a teacher that isn't as skilled yet teaching, but being themselves than somebody that is, you know, um, a pretty good teacher, but just not being themselves. I would much rather be around somebody who is authentically them. So I think authenticity, if you're a new, newer teacher, be yourself at all costs. Um, consistency, number two. Mm. If you get a class, if you get offered a class, and um, treat that class like it were your pet for a while, and you have to be there, and you have to nurture it, and you, you don't just... You know, you got to try to be there. I think one of the, the I think I re alluded to it earlier, but people like to come to my class or people like to come to classes because they know that that teacher will be there. I think we all know what it's like when you have a teacher who is just always not there. And it's like, what's the point? You never know who's going to be there. So to build your student base, you got to be committed to that class. And that is a little bit of a sacrifice. It means showing up and like, not just going on doing things all over. I mean, hopefully at some point in my own teaching, I'll be able to to travel and teach a little bit more. But right now I'm committed to my classes and all of my classes I've had for years and years and I always show up to them. So um, those are the two, like, I think biggest ones. Um, but also know that you can, know that you can, because I think for me, I really didn't think that I was cut out to be a yoga teacher. I looked at all the great teachers around me, compared myself to them, and really was like, what am I doing here? Like, I am not this, you know, I felt like an imposter for a while. Wow. But really, and I've told this in my classes, and I use this quote from Henry Ford, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're exactly right. I had this experience learning how to handstand where I honestly didn't think I could, which is really funny that a grown adult could think, you know, with practice they wouldn't be able to do something. But I was like, I sold myself short. I was like, I don't think I'll ever be able, I know I won't be able to handstand. And I looked at other people and said, these people are just freakishly strong or they're gifted or this or that. We're all gifted. I, I had this aha moment, one of these little gems that we get, where I realized that I was saying I couldn't do a handstand, and so I wasn't even trying. I was just like, eh, screw that. I'm not, it's not in the cards for me. But I had this little realization where I was like, you know what? If this person can do it, why can't I? And so I changed the verb, I changed the wording in my head, and I basically said, you can handstand. But the biggest aha moment was me going, you know what, Rob? You saying you can't handstand isn't just isn't just with handstands. Almost everything you've done, if you look back in your life, that was going to be good or a big move or a scary move, I would just sort of self-sabotage or say that I couldn't and back away and let stuff fall through my fingers that potentially could be really good for me. And so it was sort of that mentality when I started teaching. I said I was, I felt like I couldn't, but I changed the word in my head. I did affirmative prayer. I did all of these things I was kind of talking about mm. before, but it was it's in your attitude. So if you feel like you can't, you're not going to. Entertain the thought that you can become a great teacher because I know you can. I know anybody can if they put their mind and their heart into it. 
So those are the three big ones. Attitude, you know, uh, yeah, totally. attitude goes a long way. Awesome. Yeah. That's beautiful. One, that was an awesome nugget. One last nugget that you would give to our listeners as they just carry forward on the the yoga path and, and practicing and teaching and just living, learning life. What is one nugget that you would like people to take away? Mm. Well, I think it's pretty similar to what I what I've been saying, but um, never give up mm. and always let go. Never give up and always let go. Um, really easier said than done, but yeah. that's sort of like for me the nutshell of everything, and and it goes layers and layers deep. But yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for thanks for, for revealing to us yoga. Thanks, Alec. I, like I said, I'm, I'm super, it's so great to watch you grow, not only as a teacher and a student, but doing the cool things that you're doing, such as this and all, all, the, all the great stuff, like making yoga more accessible and demystified for everybody. And so I truly appreciate what you're doing and, and, uh, and I appreciate you having me on. I feel really honored to be to have been here today so thank, thank you. you it's it's uh, such a blessing just to share the conversation of yoga yeah this is that... cool we need to do this without the mic more often. Yeah, <laughs> yes indeed sit down and talk yoga talk and with friends that's yes. what we do yeah awesome rob thanks man namaste blessings namaste my fellow inspiration seekers thank you for tuning in to this episode of the yoga revealed podcast you can practice with rob in beautiful boulder colorado where he teaches weekly classes at the yoga pod you can not only get your first class free but also receive a generous 10 percent off their save a teacher training follow the link on the view description tab of the episode and find out how you can make the leap into the Save a Teacher training program at any yoga pod. Study with quality teachers and dive deep into the beautiful service that is teaching yoga. Visit www.robloudyoga.com and access Rob's social media pages as well as connecting with Rob for further inspiration. Yoga Revealers, please visit our site at yogarevealed.com and sign up for our emailing list. We are a growing community of 18,000 subscribers and we want to stay connected with you in order to uplift our respective yoga communities through these interviews and more. Until next time, my dear friends, stay bright and shine light. Namaste. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.